you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to hear more, please hit the subscribe button or follow button. My podcast can be downloaded on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And enjoy today's episode. So I'm going to jump straight into today's topic because there's a lot to cover and there's a lot to dissect. Firstly, thank you for the support for my first podcast. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of people emailing me and sending me questions and I'm just so grateful. So thank you so much. One of my favorite questions is exactly what we're going to be talking about this week. Debunking weight loss myths. This is a big thing for me and it's something I have experienced in the fitness industry for so many years. And a part of me really understands it because there is so much information out there and it's extremely difficult to know what's true, what's false, and what to really buy into. Something that I would call fitness propaganda, and it's thrown in our faces a lot, marketing employees, different diets that are around, different exercise regimes, do two minutes a day and lose this many pounds. And these are the sort of things that I really want to get into today. Weight loss myth number one. Low or no carb is the quickest way to lose weight. Now, this is something that I've personally believed in in the past and an approach that I've taken to dieting per se in the past. And I have had results from it. However, Saying that it's the only way to lose weight long-term is a huge misconception. So people will lose weight going no carb. That is the truth. Particularly in the first week, people will see a huge drop on the scale, sometimes three, four, five kilos. But the most important thing to note about that is it's mostly water weight. And after that initial drop, weight loss slows down significantly. Now, I'm not at all preaching for you to go high carb, but I am encouraging for you to keep your carbs at a similar intake along with your protein and your healthy fats. Now, some people are carb sensitive and they find that by eating carbs, their body slows down, they feel sluggish, they feel bloated. However, for the most part, the majority of people, carbs are the most efficient fuel for our bodies and they keep up our optimum energy. Just to touch on the carb-sensitive people, if you are, find foods that are moderately balanced with protein, carbs, and fats. Weight loss is about creating a calorie deficit, calories in, calories out, and a balanced approach is the most efficient way to achieve maintainable weight loss and to also live your life as a normal human long-term, which is what we all want. (laughs) So, same goes for fat. Again, there's myths about low fat, high fat. If the body recognizes a lack of dietary fat intake, it will actually hoard its fat reserves and it will sacrifice our muscle to spare the fat. Not to mention, fat intake plays a huge role in our hormone regulation. So fats, carbs, very important. Going back to our carbohydrates, they're equally important because they spare protein for muscle repair and they keep our cellular metabolism optimal at a lower calorie intake. Basically, if you're not feeding the furnace, the fire goes out. It's very important to keep carbs and fat in our diets. Protein too, however, I feel like most people are pretty okay with eating protein, getting their nuts and their meats and their fish in. 
and people aren't too food phobic about protein as they are about carbs and fats. If you're someone who trains frequently, and I mean at least once a day or even every second day, you need to make sure that you keep the body sustainably energized for all of your workouts. Otherwise, our bodies go into what we call flight or fight mode, which is pretty much a state of stress. So our bodies protect us, and they do this by elevating a hormone which we call cortisol. Cortisol is an important hormone as it helps our body to use glucose, which is sugar and fat for energy. But having chronically elevated cortisol levels actually increases your hunger and cravings for junk foods. And they slow down our cell regeneration. They can also do other things such as impair our digestion, metabolism, mental function, and just interfere with our endocrine system, just our bodily functions in general. Plus, they do weaken our immune system. Our cortisol is elevated. It really does start to weaken our immune system. This response relates back to evolutionary times and our primitive instincts. It's actually a funny thing that descends from what animals are like when they feel like they're being threatened. Signals are sent to our brain, which in turn tells our body to slow down, which then slows the metabolism down further. So those stress signals basically can lead to not only weight gain, but it also leads to the tendency to store what we call visceral fat, which is around the midsection. Now, if you're a woman, you might be having an aha moment and saying, oh my gosh, it makes sense now why I carry weight in my abdomen. But aesthetic isn't the problem. The problem with visceral fat is visceral fat has actually been linked to an increase in both diabetes and heart disease. So I went off on a, a little bit of a tangent here, went from carbs to fat to stress. However, my main point about this myth is finding balance, not only within your diet, but your exercise regime to make sure that it's maintainable long-term to listen to your body. That's the most important thing. When we talk about things like macronutrients and the perfect macronutrient ratio, it's not going to be perfect for everyone. There's not going to be one set formula which is going to be applicable to every single person. You need to find what works for you. Some people need more fats, some people need more carbs, some people need more protein. So not only is it dependent on your goals, but it's dependent on your body and how it responds to different things. Okay, myth number two. Sweating means you've burnt more calories. <laughs> One of my favorites. There's a lot of misconceptions around the concept of sweating. Some people think that if you sweat more, you're fitter. Some people think that if you sweat more, you're less fit. How we need to view sweating is all very subjective to each person. But what we need to think about is sweating is pretty much our body's built-in air conditioning system. We sweat because our body is trying to cool itself down. Some people sweat more than others. It doesn't necessarily mean they've worked harder in the workout. Some people just have more sweat glands. If you want to measure how effectively you've worked out, the best thing to do is to measure your heart rate or to measure the amount of calories burnt. People have a tendency to weigh themselves after a crazy killer workout because they feel on top of the world and they'll notice the scale is significantly lower. Remember that is usually water weight and as soon as you put water back into your body, 
those pounds will return, which is perfectly normal. So it's always important to take that into consideration, by the way, when you weigh yourself. Along with that, is people thinking that they can sweat out toxins? No. Not true at all. Remember, sweating is our body's way of cooling itself down. It is not an external second liver. And the liver is actually what your body uses to detoxify, not your sweat glands. Sweat is made up of water, salt, and proteins. No toxins. Myth number three, obesity is a choice. Sometimes biological factors come into play with this, and there are a lot of different genetic variables that are part and parcel of obesity. Sometimes it's medical conditions such as hypothyroidism, PCOS, depression, anxiety, any of those can really be a factor. But it's also important to realize that the body has different hormones and biological pathways that are supposed to regulate our body weight. For example, one of the hormones in our body which actually tells us that we're full is leptin. A very common sort of case in obesity is being resistant to this particular hormone. We can't put it all down to biological factors, but we can't put it all down to choice. I always recommend that if you're really struggling to lose weight, you're eating right, you're exercising regularly, it's important to go to a doctor and see if there are any underlying factors which are really stopping you in your progression. Myth number four, eat less, exercise more. Hmm. There is truth to this, but the truth has been fabricated in different ways and to different extents. Again, like I was saying before, weight loss is calories in, calories out. If you count your calories in, make sure you're not taking in more than you're getting out each day. Some people believe that if they are taking in 1,200 calories and they're burning 3,000, that they will lose a huge amount of weight in a really short period of time. The problem with doing this is although you want a calorie deficit, you never want your calorie deficit to be too high. If your calorie deficit is too high and it's greater than 1,000 to 1,100, which I think is the max, your body will go into the survival mode that we were talking about before and it actually stores fat because your body just kind of goes on hold and it just holds it and it waits. It waits until it can move forward again and it knows you're going to feed it the right amount of energy because our bodies are smart. Our bodies know that we need energy to fuel and it will respond to fuel in the right ways. So make sure that if you are counting calories, you don't go crazy with counting them and decide to burn an absurd amount every day and not eat enough. If you are exercising more, you need to eat enough to counterbalance that. 800 to 1100 Max. Max. Yeah, that's a very, very big one. And I often have clients say to me, I'm not losing weight. I don't understand. I'm exercising every single day. My food is perfect. I'm being really clean. I'm only having 600 calories a day. And that's when I say, what? Hold on a second. <laughs> and that's when I find what the real underlying issue is. And that can be a really, really, really... Big particular in the fitness game. 
because people can work their asses off to achieve a certain goal and then it can really backfire. Next myth here is eating three times a day, no more. So pretty much you don't snack and we all love to snack, especially me. I'm the biggest snacker ever. I love snacks, love me some snacks. The bottom line when it comes to eating frequently is that when you're trying to maintain your calorie intake, it's really hard when you only eat three meals a day. If your calories at 1600 and having to break that up into three meals, you're going to be eating a lot in three different sittings. So it's preferable to really break that up into five to six meals instead. So for some people, they say that uh, it comes down to a matter of time and scheduling and they just can't fit more than three meals in. Try and find snacks that are great for on the go. So even something as generic, I hate to say it, but nuts, if you can find a protein bar or you can just find some dried fruit, anything that you can eat on the go, just get something in. Remember to keep that fire burning and that's the most important thing. With this as well, it helps keep our cravings at bay. I'm a big believer in eat when you're hungry. A lot of people will ignore hunger pains and say, no, wait, I can't have my next meal for another two hours. I'm so hungry, but I can't eat. Eat your body. I mean, wait, <laughs> don't eat your body. I meant to say, eat when your body needs it. Rewind. <laughs> if your body is telling you it's hungry, then you need to listen to that. Listen to the messages that your body is providing you because in turn, your body is going to repay you by helping you speed up your metabolism and making your system work more efficiently. Next myth, and one of my favorites is completely untrue because it's something I'm very passionate about. You must cut out all sweets. You must cut out all sugar and never let yourself indulge ever again. That can be the most heartbreaking sentence to hear. And I know it because I heard it five years ago and it broke my heart. Fact of the matter is we're all human and we all need to live this life. <laughs> Depriving yourself of foods that you like isn't living. It's all about moderation. If you eat healthy 80, 90% of the time, and then you indulge 20, 10% of the time, it's fine. Don't beat yourself up about it. In the past, I've had the tendency to do so and say, oh my gosh, it's going to throw me completely off track if I do this and I have this cupcake. Oh my gosh, I can't do this. But again, it's going to help keep your cravings at bay and it's going to stop you from binging. Some people will wait and they'll hit the end of the week and say, oh my gosh, I haven't had any sugar this week. I'm just going to let it rip. And they go and eat an entire town. So to avoid that, if you want to have a piece of chocolate after dinner, please have it. Just don't have the entire block. Try and stop yourself. Use your portion control and really, really, really moderate how you actually go about giving yourself 
sweets and sugar or whatever this food that you like to indulge in is. If it's something you find that you can't actually regulate yourself, perhaps give it to someone else and say, hey, give this to me after this date or I want a piece here or I want a piece there. Give someone else your burden <laughs> and let them help you control that situation. But I don't want you to deprive yourself. Sometimes, including me, you just want a piece of cheesecake. You just want a muffin. Eat it. Please eat it and do not beat yourself up about it. Now on the other side, don't feel like you can go overboard and say, yes, oh my gosh, I've got the go ahead. I can eat three pieces every day. I'll be good to go. I just need to exercise more and moderate because I used to eat a whole cake and now I'm just going to have a couple of pieces. No. I say that when you want something small, have it and make sure that you exercise and work it off. I kick my ass in the gym. If I've had something sweet, my ass will pay for that all night long, but I will make sure that I redeem myself and I do what I need to do to make me feel better more mentally than anything, you're going to burn those calories, which is great. But for me, it puts my mind to ease. I have a tendency to make myself feel bad for indulging a little bit. And even I too need to remember that I'm human and it's perfectly normal. There are lots of healthy desserts that you can indulge in on a regular basis. Raw desserts, you can find things like protein mousse or protein puddings lots of different things that can actually satisfy without getting the refined sugar hit. So if you can, try and find healthy snacks or healthy desserts that are going to benefit your body. If you would like some resources, Google raw desserts and you can pretty much turn any of your favorite desserts into a raw dessert. It takes a little bit of blood, sweat and tears, but once you've got the process down, it becomes very, very simple and it's extremely satisfying. You'll find that you only need a really, really small piece of raw dessert to feel satisfied as opposed to an entire cake. It's natural sugars and it's very filling and it's very rich and you'll feel energized after it. You won't feel like a slug. Next myth goes back to calories again. And a big myth or misconception is that we should never eat at night or we should never eat carbs after six. Or we should never eat fats in the afternoon. Calories don't know time. Our bodies don't know the time. They just know what fuel they're getting in and what fuel they're getting out. The most important fact is counting the number of calories, not necessarily what time you eat them. It does come down to smart choices. You're going to sleep and technically be fasting for 8 to 10 hours and probably having a massive bowl of fruit isn't the best thing to have or eating a big steak but it won't ruin your diet again find out what works for you what meals settle best in your stomach when you're about to go to sleep don't get too wrapped up in the concept of uh, I can only have this in the morning I can only have this in the afternoon I can only have this at dinner remember that calories don't know time my next couple of myths are going to be centered more so around exercising. So my first one is common myth that people over the age of 50 shouldn't exercise. 
or can't exercise, don't have the ability to do so. Everyone should have a doctor's clearance before they exercise regardless of the age or medical history. It's important for everyone to have a doctor's clearance. I have some clients and people in my classes who are over the age of 65 and who kill it. Those are the people that inspire me more than anyone else in the world because I think, oh my gosh, if they can do that, I should be able to do this. They are the people that keep me going and motivate me throughout my workouts like nothing else in this world. I used to teach this class and the average age within this class was probably about 58 and it was a cardio class. And I would teach this on a Monday morning and these people killed it. They were absolutely incredible. You just never ever would have known the ages. It was completely disregarded. It didn't matter. They were doing burpees. They were doing squat jumps. They were sprinting. It was absolutely amazing. And if that doesn't actually conjure up belief, I don't know what will. Don't think that because you're over the age of 50 or 60 or 70 that it's impossible for you to exercise and get into a fitness regime. After you've had your clearance, go ahead do what you need to do goal set and try and achieve a goal whether it's something small like losing five pounds or you want to run a half marathon i will be your biggest supporter ever please go ahead and do it and don't let anyone tell you that age matters because it doesn't another myth or not necessarily a myth it's more so an observation i have x injury I can't do anything. Now there are certain injuries that will completely prohibit us to move and have functionality, but it doesn't mean that we can't move our bodies in other ways or find a way to exert energy or burn calories. For example, people who have knee issues can't run, they can't jump or do plyometrics, One of the best things for people with any sort of lower body injuries, and it's not all lower body injuries, this is (laughs) smaller injuries that can be treated, rehabilitated, and people who can actually participate in an exercise program, obviously monitored by a physio. Boxing is one of my favorite cardio workouts for anyone who's any sort of lower body injuries. Boxing is an amazing cardio workout that will really take your heart rate to the ceiling without moving your lower body, which is quite hard with any other exercise. Then we've got upper body injuries such as neck, shoulders, whatever it may be. You can focus more on your legs. The more muscle groups you can get involved in a certain exercise, not only will the exercise be more time efficient, but you'll burn more calories because you're optimizing the number of muscle groups working at one time. Like I said, this doesn't go for all injuries and please do not take my complete word on this. If you have any sort of spinal injury or anything like that, please make sure you consult a physio or exercise specialist before you embark on an exercise program with an injury. But I don't want you to lose hope and lose motivation. Even if it comes down to a medical condition, I suffered from glandular fever for many, many, many years and it still comes back every now and then. I also have hemochromatosis, so I have extreme fatigue and I still battle with this daily. 
This is a tough one because it's just going to take time. I've found a way to adapt to my fatigue. I would consider myself to be quite a go-getter, so I will just push through and kick my ass regardless, which has gotten me in trouble with my fatigue and made it worse on certain occasions. But if you have any sort of medical conditions like fatigue or glandular fever, once you've rested, which is the most important thing, and you have then been cleared to be able to exercise small amounts again, things like fat burning walks, walking on the treadmill on an incline, getting on the elliptical, and really easing yourself back into exercise is very, very effective. Some people think that fat burning walks or incline walks aren't as effective as running. They are. Trust me, they are extremely effective. And if you want to burn your legs, take that incline at 12 and just keep walking. If you have a particular injury, please feel free to message me or send me an email and I will help you come up with some certain exercises that you can do to keep yourself moving, whether it's cardio or toning. Of course, the best people to consult would be a specialist, but if you've been cleared, I would love to be able to help you devise an exercise program daily, weekly, whatever you would like to do. My next myth is about exercise again but it's relative to certain exercises. So I always believe that as a trainer, I'm always still learning as a client. I believe that students are the best teachers and you need to keep learning your entire life, whatever professional industry you're in. It's important to just continue to be a sponge and soak up everything you can. But when it comes to exercise, it's always important to know exactly what muscle group is meant to be working. This happens in Pilates quite often when I've taught it and people will be doing a pelvic curl which is basically lying on your back you have your feet either elevated up or you can have them flat on the floor you lift up and you lower back down quite often people will say that they're feeling their backs which is not what they're meant to be feeling they should be feeling their glutes and their hamstrings and their abdominals but quite often people will feel exercises in their back and think that's correct you should never, ever, 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 ever feel any bad pain in your lower back, any joint pain. It's never a good thing. So if you're not sure what an exercise is working, ask the instructor or ask the teacher and just say, can I just double check what muscle I'm meant to be feeling in this? And it's really important because it will help you perfect your form with each exercise and ensure that you're getting the most out of it. And this is other things as well, not necessarily just what muscles should be activated, but also how low should I be going? How high should I be jumping? Should I be pressing the weight through my heels or my toes? Should I be tilting my pelvis forward or backwards? Try and be as specific as you can so that you can become a pro and you will become a pro in no time. My last myth is a crazy... 100% go nuts exercise regime is the only way to lose weight quickly. I just want to cut out quickly because we're trying to make a sustainable life change here and hopefully you're wanting to keep the weight off long term. Some people might be doing it for other reasons, but majority of us are wanting to keep weight off long term. The most successful people in maintaining weight loss make small changes that they can stick to for prolonged periods of time. 
if you're making a lifestyle change and you completely flip your lifestyle over and try to make crazy changes in a really short amount of time, it won't be maintainable and you won't be able to stick to it. It's when you'll start to binge or you'll start to drop off your exercise program. You'll just get sick of it. You'll lose motivation. The most important thing is to find a schedule and regime that works for you that you think that you can enjoy six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Thinking of it as a lifestyle change makes a huge difference rather than a three-month transformation challenge. Remember, you don't want to go back to those old habits. You want to really stick with this so you can maintain that transformation. Don't go in with any expectations. Obviously, be positive, be motivated, and stay true to yourself throughout the fitness regime. Don't expect to have crazy, amazing results because it doesn't mean that you're not doing an amazing job or you're not going about it the right way. Everyone's bodies respond completely differently to different exercise programs. And quite often, people will start an exercise program and not see results in the first two weeks and then drop off it when the results would just take an extra week and they would start to see those pounds drop or those centimeters go down. Just stick to it and be consistent. Be positive, be happy, surround yourself with the right people. Make sure you're staying around affirming people who are going to believe in you and congratulate you and encourage your success and really be a part of your journey. I touched on this in the last podcast, but I just think it's so important to have the right people around you when you're making such a big transition into a healthy lifestyle. As much as people like to disregard the fact that it's not a very big step, it really is. It's it's hard. It's really hard. Not only do you need to rearrange your food and your exercise and your life and your financials, because let's be honest, sometimes healthy food is more expensive. You're getting organic products. It is slightly more expensive. Everything is doable. Again, if you need any advice or any tips or suggestions, I'm always here. Feel free to send me an email to inquiries at katieisabelmartin.com. Of course, I'd be happy to help out with anything you need at all. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Talk to you soon.